Hi, my name is Tristan. And this is Reza. On this episode of Loading Screen, we're joined by a couple of members from the D-Cell Games team who are making the rhythm game unbeatable. Maybe we can go around the room and have folks introduce themselves. So I guess starting with me, I am Andrew. I am one of the two directors on this game. I do the art direction and most of the animation work and a little bit of the programming. And I, I do some story planning things. I am RJ. I am the other director on the project. I handle narrative design and music direction, uh, as well as some of the moment-to-moment story, uh, like visual ideas. Um, and then Andrew makes them actually good. RJ also does uh, most of the, the the trailers and stuff that you see. So um, like our Kickstarter trailer that was edited by him. So he's on point. <laughs> yes, very good. Um Hi, I'm Rachel Lake. I'm a producer on the game, and I'm also a community PR, and I am the voice that you hear singing in the songs when you play. Many hats. A lot of hats on everyone. (laughs) A lot of hats. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We were really excited to chat with this team just because, I mean, personally, I, I love rhythm games. And I've been keeping an eye on this game since uh, you folks announced it or or won the GDC pitch, I believe, last year. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Um, oh. <laughs> but we can talk about that later after the recording. This is also kind of our first episode where we have more than one person joining us. And this might be kind of a, a circus, but I, I'm sure yes. we'll, we'll have yeah a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> so we usually like to start off with Maybe kind of, could you give the listeners a little bit of an intro of the history of D-Cell games? Like, how did each of you get into making games and how did the studio uh, get created? Yeah, um, I think Andrew's probably the the start Mm -hmm. of all this thing. Yeah, so this is like October, November 2017. Basically, Jeff, who is the the producer, the other producer on the game, uh, and I... We basically had a lot of free time on our hands, um, and I asked Jeff, like, hey, do you want to work on something together? And they were like, yeah, sure. So I slapped together this crappy prototype uh, rhythm game, and it was it was a, a very weird thing mechanically where um, the gameplay is pretty much the same that you see currently where you have enemies coming in from both directions and it's split between like two key groups, but then it was all vertical instead of horizontal. Anyway, that's besides the point. So I slapped together this, uh, this really crappy prototype. And the only thing that we didn't have was somebody who, who was like, try, who, who could make music for our rhythm game, which is kind of important. You can't really have a rhythm game with no music. So actually, in probably the step that you never take in game development, we went on to <laughs> uh, Game Dev Classifieds on Reddit. And <laughs> um, we told people, uh, we, we asked if there was anybody around who wanted to compose for this video game for essentially <laughs> no pay. 
It, uh, I, because of the way that it was phrased, I thought it was for pay because it was never explicitly mentioned in, in the thing that, that Andrew wasn't intending to pay people. <laughs> so I responded to the message personally. I was one. I was like, I think the, you said that I was a third or was a second third. You were, third, you were third, third. Although the first person who responded responded so quickly that they did not in fact, write anything in the body of their email. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Great start. Yes. Anyway, so RJ was the third person who responded. And then in a second twist of fate, we did not bring RJ on to compose music. Andrew's edge. Every time we, we uh, reminisce on this, I think we lose our minds a little bit more. Um, (laughs) The, yeah. So I, I responded to the message. Um, and we got to talking about what this game was. And I, I played the like prototype. And the only reason I didn't immediately like jump away from this thing when Andrew clarified, no, sorry, we're not going to be paying you, <laughs> is, is I played the prototype. And the prototype, Andrew describes it as this crappy little thing. And to be clear, he's not wrong. But it's <laughs> it had this really interesting like uh, th- there was a voice there already. Andrew's art obviously is, is incredible. Um, there's like this weird Madoka esque like uh, UI that he slapped on there that had like like the crazy like mismatched numbers um, everywhere. The um, the, the animation it was like a very early design of beat that uh, she's like swinging guitar around and we just got talking about it and i was like so what is this character what's this game what what, what are you doing with this and it was just like i don't really know <laughs> basically <laughs> was the answer and we, we just kind of like shot the shit like over the next few months hashing out all right so what is this thing really and I think that's the reason that um, uh, things kind of took off with Less. us from there. Yeah. And yeah. then they didn't want a Vocaloid to sing the songs anymore, so they hired me. Did they? Did they mention that you will be paid up front, or was that a an afterthought? That was way later. So it's still free labor for some time. Oh, definitely yes, but it was worth it up until May, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, should I be saying this? Nobody on the team got uh, significant amounts of pay until like February of this year. So it was like, <laughs> well, the, the thing that you emphasize, I want to emphasize before we, we jump into the fact that everyone wasn't paid, that all of us own the company and the game. Like, yes, it's a, it's a co-owned project. Everyone jumped on with the understanding that this thing was kind of special and we all sort of believed in it. Um, and as it built up, that, that just became more evident that uh, there was something to what we were doing. Well, the, the big reason why we ended up doing the Kickstarter um, was because uh, at some point not paying employees becomes an issue because people require money to buy goods and services. Yeah. We, um, we, like, we were just <laughs> running out of money. We like could not continue doing the things we were doing without having funding in the studio. Yeah. So, yeah, we put together a Kickstarter, and now we're here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think it'd be awesome for us to, to give the audience like a bit more insight into 
the genre and the game. Um, so obviously we've described it as, um, you know, a rhythm game, but can you tell us a little bit more about how the team landed in the genre and game loop um, and really just some background on the game in general for, uh, for, for the listeners? Yeah, so everybody on the team it loves, um, like, really strong narratives in games. But for some reason, despite the fact that, as RJ will point out, one of the very first rhythm games was, in fact, a narrative game. Yep. Um, there are very few rhythm games that actually try to interweave narrative with the, the actual rhythm game bits in a way that that allows you to tell like a complex and really compelling story. And there are a few games that have done it and that have done it well, um, but definitely not in the same tack that we wanted to do, which was um, just a very strong narrative that is in many ways more explicitly told than I think a lot of other rhythm games want to do, which is the kind of abstract narrative that that I think comes with the territory of basing your game around music. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, because people tend to want to go to the synesthesia route, right? Like you want to like uh, be providing a an experience that is connecting you to the music in a, in a more um, psychedelic way. Uh, that That's the, the kind of tack that a lot of developers take when they're, uh, trying to approach how to represent music um, in an interactive way. In a lot of ways, the original form of Unbeatable was very much more in that vein than it is now. But somewhere along the line, we realized that we wanted to do way more with this narrative than, I guess, what that initial concept was entailing, which was essentially just a concept album with very brief bits of text between songs. And I'm glad that we didn't end up going that route because, you know, then Sayonara Wild Hearts came out and right. uh, they did it better. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up making the thing that I, uh, I was thinking we should go for at the very start of this project. And, and they did it a lot better than I think we would have, uh, <laughs> if we had approached it that way. Mm-hmm. Like the boiling it down, it's a rhythm game. Like we're not making um, something that is. I I, I want to be clear. Like trying to reinvent the genre in the way that, like you look at Crypt of the Necrodancer or something yeah, like that. We aren't really reinventing anything. All we're doing is putting things together that I think people haven't really put together yet. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> at least not in this uh, arrangement. So I'm I'm also a little curious, like for folks that are unfamiliar to the rhythm game genre in general, um, like for example, like me, what would you guys say are some of the defining traits um, of rhythm games in general? So like classical classical rhythm games, you're usually following uh, a note chart or a beat map. Yeah, um, and this is your um, dance dance revolutions, your guitar heroes, your um, right. You see little representations of notes, and then you hit the buttons in time uh, to match the notes that are on screen. The the, the form, though, has changed a bit, um, because it, it used to be very much tied to like you physically doing something that is like playing music or dancing to music. And now, uh, kind of after Guitar Hero and Rock Band have, have fallen a bit by the wayside, rhythm games have started going more here's a washing machine 
but it's a rhythm game. Waka, <laughs> 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 right? That's, that's yeah. going on. Uh, I still haven't played that. I really want to. I, I want to get my hands on that. I um, I, I think Groove Coaster is probably like the first big like breakout example of oh, this is just like you press a button in time to the music, and there doesn't need to be anything directly correlated to what. Like you're not trying to mimic anything. There's no skeuomorphism. Um, it's just you're kind of rhythmically pressing a button and the stuff on screen does not really correlate to a direct action in, in any way. Yeah. yeah. The, re- the, the, the one that I really like to bring up, um, other than like some stupid insanity like Sound Voltex, is um, uh, Chunivum, which your hands are in a laser grid. Um, <laughs> you have to wave your hands around in three-dimensional space to hit the notes. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty. Rhythm games are definitely where like the arcade experience shines uh, today, right now, because yeah, you, it, it's so focused on. Okay, what is the wildest thing we can do um, with uh, the physical like technology that is there in the moment that is bespoke it's made for this one experience you're having uh in this location and i think uh for me for me it's dance rush stardom which is a lot more in the lineage of stuff like ddr but it's it's like an xy uh grid that you're on that's like a touchpad and the whole thing is led and it's like scanning how fast you're moving your feet across this like giant like it's basically a it's basically uh, a um, like a MacBook touchpad that's Here's got the LED thing lights. About Dance Rush Stardom is that if you look closely at those arcade cabinets, you'll notice that there's always a mop next to them, <laughs> and that's because playing Dance Rush Stardom is so intense that you will you will like you'll you'll skid and melt your sneakers into the pad, and you have to wipe off all of the rubber afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bananas but it's def like look up video of it if you haven't seen it because that game is incredible to look at and it's wild to play <laughs> i think i was always scared of potentially breaking that pad <laughs> like it, i don't know you're like swiping your feet all over you're jumping up you're like crouching and stuff right it's like ddr mm-hmm. on steroids so i think that was my biggest fear while uh while looking at that machine I think we want to jump into the game a little bit more, but um, Raza, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it on you for a second because I, I was curious about this. What are your folks' favorite rhythm games? You know, arcade or at home, outside of Unbeatable, of course. Right. <laughs> um. Well, I, I will let Andrew and Rachel take this more. I think. You know, I I think Rachel and I both really like the Project Eva games. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, I used to be really big into OS for a bit um, back in like 2018, although I, I have kind of stopped playing that for the sake of my wrist health. Um. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that game murders you. Like, ugh. Um, yeah, I, I used to play that game with a mouse and I got really good. I think I was like 45,000 in the world, which... It doesn't sound that great, um, but like that's, that's I think at this point like good. top ninety six percent. 
I've I, think... I could not imagine playing that game with anything other than a uh, like a Cintiq or something. Well, um, see, here's the thing, thing, right? Because I was worried because I had a tablet because you know I do art. I had a tablet, but I was trying to I like the, the, I was like trying to get some of my friends to also play the game, and I was worried that if I used a tablet, which was hardware that they didn't have. That oh, they wouldn't want to play it. So I was oh, like, no. you know what? Mm. I'll just use a mouse, and then I'll, you know, I'll just get good with a mouse. <laughs> um, oh. And then they all went out and bought tablets, but I had already spent like four months playing with a mouse, and I couldn't switch over. That's incredible. <laughs> For me, I'm always, I'm always more into stuff like uh, Rhythm Heaven or Thumper, um, and like really, uh, like there's still classical uh, rhythm games in that way, but they're they're they. Um, like the call and response thing is really satisfying to me. Um, it's presenting it in a very different way. And then, of course, I don't think anybody can forget about Parappa. Oh yeah, um. hell yeah, Parappa. <laughs> when you talk about call and response, that that's the talk about religion. talk talk about narrative rhythm games. This is. <laughs> and then, of course, you know you have you have all of your your slightly more unique rhythm games um things like sayonara wild hearts or crypt of the necro dancer where oh, oh yeah rhythm doctor that's a big rhythm one. doctor i actually well, i was gonna say crypt of the necro dancer yeah i have the the official dance mat for that the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't I've, it literally got... like right under your desk right now or uh, no it's, it's in the more, hallway but oh, it's in the hallway now yeah. she's like playing while we're recording <laughs> yeah exactly it's my exercise <laughs> while i'm sitting you know <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're like rhythm games are generally just good, and I think it's because keeping a beat is just fun. It is. It's yeah. It's, it's a, very hard to make on. I'm gonna toss one out there because I don't know if it gets enough love, but I really love Sound Voltex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Which is uh, for listeners plus Raza. It sounds like he. Judging by his face, he, he has no idea what I'm talking about. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a This mix. is like a foreign language to me. I've, I've never heard of a lot of these games. It's almost like a turntable, but, but with knobs instead, and there's buttons. So, like, if you look at, uh, like, uh, DJ Max or, or um, Beat Mania, those are, like, really classical, like, DJ-style games. Mm-hmm. Sound Voltex is such a wild thing. It, it um... Because the the thing that I want to like emphasize is the knobs. It's so focused on the the weirdness of the physical buttons and, yeah. and the knobs on that thing, um, and it the vertical screen I think really hyper emphasizes everything because when um, it does the uh, the thing where it like throws the screen and rotates it all around. Uh, you really feel it more because it just goes off, like the track just goes off the screen immediately because it's a vertical layout. Um, so it, it's very disorienting to, uh, to look at after a bit, I feel like. But I love it. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, it's it's a really unique rhythm game, I think, because a lot of it is more so like, distorting the music than it is yeah doing yeah, yeah. the music <laughs> right it's the, i mean that's the dj thing but it's it's uh presenting that in a very weird way that yeah you wouldn't see in uh older ways of thinking about doing a dj like game cool actually do we cover rachel's favorite game i like 
Project Diva. Project Diva. Yeah, Crypto Necro Dancer, like you said. You know, I don't play a lot of rhythm games, but the ones I do play, I play them so much that I just like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like perfect at them, but I think I'm pretty decent. Oh, uh, at them. The Rhythm Hive, you like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That one's like your big one right now. Oh yeah, sure. Yes, yes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) She plays. She plays it like during meetings. She'll like stream it to us. She's really good. Raza, any maybe instead of your favorite rhythm game, a rhythm game, you know. Should we should we go with that? <laughs> so I've seen one called uh, uh, Bullets Per Minute. Have you guys heard of Bullets Per Minute? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently it's yeah. like yeah, it's, it seems really interesting. I've never tried it, but uh, there's a, a YouTube reviewer I watch called Skill Up who recommended it very strongly. Um, and even though I don't have anything to play it on, it seems super interesting. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of really good things about that that game. There's that uh, I watched the um the like crazy speed run of it uh, that the devs were like reacting to. Yeah, um, it, it it looks bananas. Yeah, for Tristan, if never heard of it, it basically combines FPS with uh with rhythm, um, and so it's it's oh. like a I think it takes a lot of influence from Doom and then combines it with obviously like rhythm elements, and so uh you get like bonuses I think from like. Uh, shooting enemies on on cue with the music in the background and stuff like that. Um, so really creative approach, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. The, the really important thing I think is that it works really well as a shooter, but then also you have to time your shots. <laughs> so like just on the base level, it's a it's a really well constructed shooter. Um, which I guess I guess is the important thing is that. You can add rhythm elements to a lot of different genres of game, but I think at its core, it the, rhythm games are really tough to make because so many things have to be really precisely tuned in order to not only feel good to play, but feel good to play in a rhythm format, right? Um, like if you take Unbeatable, for example, we really wanted to to kind of up the character actiony elements of the game, so doing combos and the like. But very quickly, you run into the issue of um, in a lot of these games. You know, you play your bayonetas, you play your devil may cries. You know, heck, you you play your monster hunters. Even all of those games rely on timing separately from the music right you, you like you have to time certain button presses in order to change your combo path um certain attacks have a longer wind-up period you know your heavy attacks will take longer to hit than your light attacks and you realize that that kind of emphasis on animation frame times and the precision of which the player needs to know when these attacks are coming out it becomes really hard to then make those attacks line up with music because those are timings that are entirely divorced from anything else, right? You, you play that, you internalize those timings, but they're not, they're not like tied. You can't tie that to music, right? Right. Those attacks will always take the same amount of time. And I think we've hit, a neat middle ground where the game just kind of 
automatically does things that look cool. <laughs> but it, yeah, we, we ran into a lot of issues on how far we could actually push it before the rhythm game stopped feeling good as a rhythm game, even as it felt better as an action game. Right. Right. It, I mean, you, uh, animation in games is such a hard thing in general because what looks good and feels good uh, as an animation on its own might not feel good at all in practice when you play the thing. Um, and with rhythm games, it becomes even harder <laughs> to do right. Yeah, we do a, a, a thing where literally when you throw out an attack, there's no like wind up period, right? You don't see Beat like bringing her fist back for a punch or preparing for a jump. She just snaps into place. <laughs> and so it was really important to kind of push the actual attack poses because you had to, it was the follow through on the animation that you see, not the wind up period. Um, so there, there's just a lot of really technical animation bits that we had to, we had to really get working well before the game felt good to play as a rhythm game. Um, cause you know, you add like a frame or two of delay and suddenly the entire game feels off. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it feels like you're lagging or your button presses aren't timed correctly and the game just feels terrible. Uh, rhythm games are really just the hardest genre of game to make because everything is so much more sensitive to tiny discrepancies. Mm -hmm. It has to be like frame perfect uh, and everything has to be running at a high frame rate. Maybe a, that's a good segueing thought because I, I think when we were talking about where the game originated uh, and, and some of the initial beginnings, you mentioned you want to make a narrative rhythm game, right? Uh, was there a reason that it had to be a rhythm game? Because actually all the interviews we've had this season, everyone wants to make a narrative game. And I think how they approached it was different. Some built a city management, some built a uh, dating sim. Um, and now we have a rhythm game here. Was there anything specific about it uh, that you landed on this genre? Um, well, the prototype that I sent over to uh, RJ and our two composers, TJ and Fass, um, we, well, it was a rhythm game. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what happened is the genre was kind of determined from the beginning, right? Like we knew it was going to be a rhythm game. And I personally, me, Jeff and I were both very intent on making sure the rhythm game had a purpose. Um, and that purpose was, you know, we wanted it to have a narrative. And so... Uh, Jeff and I wrote this really, like, simple outline of just where what the narrative could be um, that ended up just kind of getting workshopped into uh, unbeatable as it currently is over, like, three different iterations of story. Um, but really, really, the, the reason why we wanted to do a narrative game is just because we we had a rhythm game but we also really all love narrative games. Like RJ and I both personally, like all of our favorite games, I think are narrative. Heavy yeah, in some way. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I mean like um, recently the one that we we've bonded over the most is probably outer wilds. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, which great Such game! Such a good if game. If you haven't played it yet, I absolutely should check it out. Yeah. Incredible! Cannot wait for the DLC. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. It's coming out in like a month. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so we just really loved narrative games, and we thought it was vital that we had a narrative in this game, regardless of the form that either the game had to take or the narrative had to take to to work properly. <laughs> we we didn't have, I think, any any I feel like a lot of devs, you know, they, they have like some some grand vision of how they want to like the the ways in which they want to broaden the genre of video games. No, we just like writing stories and putting them into things. Um. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, like it started as a rhythm game. It, it was developed very uh, purposefully in that space to make the game feel better as a rhythm game. Uh, and then once we realized that the story we were telling like was bigger than we thought it was, I think it flipped from being a, a rhythm game first to being a narrative game first, but we wanted to make the, the rhythm game core that was there like pretty much uh, as yeah. perfect as it could be. So we have spent a lot of time into making Unbeatable a very good rhythm game. At least in my opinion, we have made something that, that works standalone as a rhythm game. You know, I, I, I feel like if we, if we just spent all of the money licensing songs, we, we're at the point where, you know, we have something we could release. But like that, that was never the... At this point, anyway, that's not that's not what we're making this game for. We're making this game to tell the story that relies on there being music and music like uh, integrated with with that whole narrative thing. I was wondering if you guys could tell us and the listeners a little bit about the narrative um, and what what kinds of influences you guys had for the on the narrative side of this of this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has changed over time so significantly uh, based on both like the thing we were making and um, the ways that uh, music has kind of integrated back into the game. Uh, yeah. we, it started as a very different thing. And then um, I think what TJ and Vass, uh, who aren't here right now, the, the composers on the team, um, ended up like putting into the game and they're making their mark on the the thing very strongly was it ended up being pushed in a, a more like rock focused direction um, than it really kind of started out as. Um, and that kind of made us rethink sort of where we were coming from uh, and our influences on the thing. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. We, we, we ended up like landing on um, something that I think is, is really very specific. Yeah. I mean, in terms of influences, it's a combination of things. So as RJ said, the game has kind of evolved significantly over the course of development. Um, and a lot of that has just been listening to the music that we have for the game. The, the, when I listened to to the, the first demo track that TJ sent over, um, and I'm sure TJ would tell you, like, oh, it was terrible. But no, it was really good. Um I, I listened to that and uh, I immediately thought, wow, this music is way better than this game that we are making. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so basically we went ahead and we restarted. We, we started again from scratch using that song as a template. And then we had another whole version of the game 
And I think while we were developing that, we ran into like engine issues of some kind. It was a it was a big technical like memory leak problem with uh, Game Maker. Yeah. And then we we switched over to Unity, and then Unity afforded us a lot more in terms of how far we could push the anime side of things. And I guess all of that kind of led us in the direction of let's do '90s and early 2000s anime very it's very like turn of the millennium it's it's digimon our war game and you know we, we love that's like that's the first one we always bring up is that's like the big touch point i think for for both me and andrew is that specific hosoda film yeah hmm. it's digimon um it's obviously like fully coolie like that is all over pillows is all over this freaking just everything um I actually think TJ like went out of his way to buy the same amp that the pillows used in like, he did. Um, he did. Oh, is it last dinosaur? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. he, he, he like looked, <laughs> he went to the music video, uh, or like f- seeing film of them like performing with it. And then like he cross referenced it and did a bunch of stuff <laughs> with that. It was, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> um, and then, uh, one that I love to bring up is Haibane Renme, which is, yep just incredible uh, um it, it's uh it's just aesthetically such a wild thing um that it's it's the uh same it's it's the same creative team uh largely as uh serial experiments lane right or um um it was the same director, director and, and artist an artist you're right 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 so it's it's not uh, konaka um rest in peace uh, konaka I had kind of a, a question more about the gameplay because this group brought up the fact that Rhythm Games, it's very diverse, right? We, we talked yeah. about DDR, we talked about Rock Band, Thumper came up, which is like more of a one, two button. How did this, how did Unbeatable land with the current control scheme? Or was there a version of Unbeatable that had like a physical uh, peripheral? Was there a version of Unbeatable <laughs> that had like 10 oh. buttons? Listen, we would love to do an arcade version of this game with, like, a physical peripheral, um, but uh, lest you forget, when we started the, <laughs> the development, we had no money. It was so. just it was just keyboard, <laughs> and it's kind of been keyboard-focused from the beginning. Mm-hmm. When we started, though, it was, it was four buttons. That was what yeah. Andrew, like, uh, kind of had from the beginning, even in the vertical layout thing. It was, I think, the same four buttons that, that we ended up landing on. Um, and then it turned out that the four buttons was so just as a quick timeline, um, late 2017, um, game was vertical layout with four buttons. And the way it was designed was DF, the character would hop from one, from one like vertical lane to the other vertical lane. And then two buttons left and right on each vertical lane. Mm -hmm. It was all over it was kind of confusing i think the idea we were going for is oh you could dodge attacks by leaping back and forth or something weird like that around early 2018 so like february march 2018 we landed on a horizontal layout four buttons so top bottom left right Mm -hmm. basically where left right would have two lanes top and bottom you know you could do a high attack you could do a low attack and it would be separate between the two lanes the camera was just on the center and that we ran with that for like 
it was two over a year. years. Yeah, it was, it, was, yeah. it was a long, long time. It was a really long time that we just ran with that. But as we kept showing it to people, we ran into an issue. And that issue was the skill floor was too high and the skill, the skill ceiling was too low. Mm-hmm. It was once people got the hang of it, the game was too easy, but it was really hard for people to get the hang of it. Um, and that basically necessitated us stripping out more buttons. And so now we have a two button control scheme, which is just top and bottom. And the game will automatically determine left and right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still have the original the original like layout from early 2018. Um, in the game, like when the camera zooms out and a focus is on the middle and beats in the middle and she's attacking both left and right. That's what the right, game looked like, yeah. That's okay. what the game looked like from the start. Um, but it's just now you don't need to worry about left, right. It's just top and bottom. And yeah, in, in like simplifying that, it allowed us to do way more things with the actual enemy variety. So we now have enemies that you have to hit twice. You have enemies that you have to hit any number of times, you know, you have enemies that you have to dodge. You have enemies that, uh, will, um, that you have to hold, you have to hold the notes down, you know, and you can hold the notes down while hitting other notes in either like the center lane, which, you know, you can hit any button with or the bottom lane or the top lane is all over the place. And we managed to, I think really lower that skill floor and raise that skill ceiling. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's been pretty successful so far. Being able to like show the game to <clears throat> friends and to people at events and get feedback from that is definitely yeah. helpful to like, it like it will organically help you mold the thing <laughs> into what it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> to be good. And, and I think that's the important bit because um, this game was maybe initially inspired by like your beat manias and your Tycho's, but the form it has reached now has just been organic evolution rather than anything else, I guess. Like we just did what was necessary to do in order to make the game play well. Um, and that kind of, I guess, like natural selection led us to the form that we're at now. Maybe as a, a player, one feedback, or at least something I feel, is when the camera swaps left and right, especially on higher difficulties, I get so much anxiety that I'm going to miss a note. <laughs> <laughs> if there's an option to just keep the camera centered or like one side, I I don't know. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but that's something I've definitely felt. Um, so, it, yeah, it's something that um, is definitely a mapping thing. So, you mm-hmm. know, we... It, all of that is determined by by uh, our resident beat mapper Jeff, um, and getting that balance right in terms of difficulty is really hard. Um, and like making sure that maps stay readable while flipping back and forth is also pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are going to have an accessibility option to disable that, but it'll probably affect your score in some way because it is it is a difficulty modifier, right? Um, because, you know, it, it's something that is meant to, you know, increase the difficulty of some of the songs that yep. force you to use reaction time instead of... The, um, the thing, though, is just making sure that it's not ever unfair. We don't yeah. want to be throwing people for a loop. Uh, like, the, the ideal is you're never going to be thrown into a situation where you're ha- you're forced to memorize the track to yeah. play it right. 
And maybe that's the case on some of the tracks right now. Um, but, you know, we're three years out from release, uh, and we have a lot of time to put into polishing up uh, any any rough edges. And, you know, Jeff Jeff has gotten really good at making beat maps pretty quickly now. So, um, yeah, like, they're... Their 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 main goal is to um is really just to balance difficulty and playability and um yeah any rough spots you know feedback is feedback we're going to we're going to make sure that all of those things get ironed out for the final release. Cool. I I have one more question about the game, and then I'll turn it over to Raza. In terms of the narrative area. What are some themes um, or things that you hope that gamers will feel as they play the game, go through the story? Um, and if this is like spoilers ter- territory, we can skip over the question. But you know, at a high level, what is kind of the message um, that you're you're trying to uh, you know build? So I think I, I think that the the game is ultimately um, about kind of uh, the interaction between generations and like yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's like how you sort of are communicating with the people who came before you and the people who came after you, um, and and like what those interactions are like, and and uh, uh, the community building that can come from um, connecting in in those ways. Yeah, and there's there's elements of like found family in there, and we have um quite a lot about like. Uh, just creative turmoil and um, issues that stem from from being somebody deep into a creative process, you know. And we we we're delving into heavy topics, but we're not going to be very heavy about them, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. Like we want to be honest to what the issues are at hand, but we never want the player to in like a uh to to feel um upset with the game you know yeah yeah i think i think that uh if the game um is doing the things it's it's doing right um you should be thinking maybe you you'll like be uh not entirely thinking like positive thoughts all the time but you're Mm -hmm. going to be coming away from the game hopefully um, you know, thinking about things broader than what the game is encompassing, uh, it, hopefully in a different way, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like, that's the goal of anything that's, that's a narrative. The, yeah. Really? Um, we, we have the entire narrative written out. Uh, it's a little hard to get into details about what's going to happen just because, mm-hmm. uh, we want to not spoil the narrative we want the experience yep. to be the experience um but i think like thematically like it's drawing on all these things we talked about yeah we um i think that like the touch points that we we've mentioned earlier um when we started like really looking at okay here's what's really influencing what the game is now um that also kind of fed back into the way we were approaching the thing because yeah. when you look at media that makes you feel nostalgic there's a temptation to like okay, I just want to imitate this thing that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I think that that ultimately, while it can be uh, satisfying in the moment, it's it's very long-term dissatisfying because it's very fleeting. Um, and, and the thing that you really are trying to, to do and, and trying to get back to is 
well, why did this thing make me feel the way it did? It's because it hit me at a certain point in my life. It's because the creators were doing something specific uh, with that they were doing and trying to imitate it like uh, starkly isn't ever going to end up resulting in the results you want. So like uh, my approach here with everything is always trying to like analyze why were these things good in the first place? Uh, not just try to be like creating uh, something out of the cultural signifiers of those things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much covers it. We, we want to do a lot of things with this narrative. Um, and I think uh, the important thing at play is that because of the way we're developing the game in tandem with the narrative, we're hoping that the themes and messages of the narrative coalesce in every layer of this game um, where, you know, we're making music and we're designing visuals and we're making gameplay and it's all centered around this idea of connection through objects and media and people that we have known or know in the past or right now and just how those things can connect to various other things that you might have remembered from your childhood. Um, and you know, this is what we go into, we go into how we're inspired by bootleg anime and how <laughs> we are, uh, we, we have, um, you know, we, we, we want to draw from like early 2000s, like alt rock or whatever. Um, but a lot of that is just because, you know, in trying to make a game about these themes, we're bringing in the things that to us reflect what this narrative is about, right? Just the stuff that we remember, the stuff that we latched onto. Um, and hopefully that will elicit similar feelings and in the people who play the game. <laughs> nice. No, that that's super helpful. Like, like I said, we weren't expecting like a, uh, can you give us a full synopsis of the story or anything? So I think the uh, listeners will, will be able to understand what this game's about. Cool. I think we're coming up on time and we want to leave some time for the team to plug the game studio, any message floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, white label. Uh, Unbeatable White Label, our free uh, side story, uh, important Steam, not a demo, but it's a demonstration of the game, but Steam will not allow us to call it a demo. So it is a free side story, free (laughs) narrative side story of the game, available now. If you like the music in there, we also have a soundtrack that you can buy. It's like, what, $6, $7? Yeah. Um, Comes with a bunch of songs, uh, uncompressed file formats. For all you audiophiles out there. On um, Bandcamp and Steam, you can get yeah. it. And then as the game will love to tell you, uh, when you boot it up, we have a Slacker backer. Um, if you missed our Kickstarter and you want to support what you played in White Label, uh, then you can go to our website, unbeatablegame.com. And we have a Slacker backer ongoing right now where you can buy a copy of the game and any number of physical or digital items to go along with it. Um, and yeah, thank you for everybody who has played White Label. Uh, and thanks to everybody who has uh, tr- enough trust in us to, to, you know, give us some of your hard-earned cash um, to help make this game. Here's a big one too, Andrew. 
yeah. the Discord. Ah, they have a yes. really cool community, and we get lots of feedback. And if you have anything to say about the game, let us know. We're there. Uh, heck, we read if it. You have, if you have Discord Nitro and you want some goofy emotes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. A v- wide variety of Garfield e- emoticons that you can use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, folks, for for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. So it was it was fun. Loading Screen is available on Radio Public, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean, and all of your favorite podcast directories. If you enjoy this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and share it with your friends. We're also on social media as Viewport Gaming on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Loading Screen is part of Viewport Gaming, a game gaming website that provides a look into video games through reviews, features, and podcasts. You can find all Viewport content at viewportgaming.com. And as always, I've been your host, Tristan. And this is Reza. Have a good one, everyone.